How are you all doing today? This is the Jeff Salgado Show with my co-host, Mike Boyd. What's up, man? Not much. Loving this day. It is Sunday, June 28th. Cannot complain. It's a balmy 81 degrees here in Sacramento, California. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Can't be better. Uh, We got a uh, packed show today. We have an interview with Jared Klein from Rivers of Nile. Sick. And then uh, we'll follow that up with our Q&A from whatever questions you guys posted on my Facebook post that I had yesterday. So I'll pick out a couple questions that I deem worthy enough. A lot of those are just a bunch of shit talking, and I'm like, whatever. Click. But um, so how have you been? What have you been I've up been, to? I've been good. I've been up to a couple of different things. Uh, bitters. We're, tonight I'm actually going to set up some stuff to drop on Spotify and Amazon or and Apple for it. So we got an EP that's going to drop tonight once I finish up the artwork. And then after that, I've just kind of been either spending time with my wife. I got to see my family finally. We decided to break quarantine and, and celebrate Father's Day. It's not really quarantine anymore. Is it? I don't know. Who knows? But I kind of just... I've been doing my own thing. I got back into, uh, I decided to, it's been about 25 years, but I decided to grab a BMX bike and start going at it again. Yeah, you look good. You look like you lost some weight. I'm down, I'm down 50 pounds since January. You lose weight quick, dude. I I know the formula. That's badass. Yeah, I know the formula. Very cool. The only problem is, is that I stopped doing the formula and I decide food tastes amazing again. I just kind of nosedive back into junk food. So I got to. Kill that yo-yo in my I'm, life. I've nosedived and never got up yet. I haven't come <laughs> up for air yet. Yeah, well, one day. But um, what have you been up to, dude? Well, I mean, we got a. It's been a minute. You know, we took some time off. I, I needed the time off. I needed to get my head straight. Uh, my skin is literally burnt from working out in the sun, and it's just it is like charred, like actually charred for real. I tried some. Uh, oh shit! You actually have a tan line. No, it's worse than that. It's like burned right here. It's Holy like, shit! My skin literally looks like leather right now. It's fucking gnarly. But it's uh, put the lotion on the skin. Watch, man. You know, you know what? I did that, and it made it worse. It gave me like a fucking gnarly heat rash. So I read online, put water on it, put water on your skin, and just do it. Because I don't care about getting dark. It's just you're, I'm clogging my pores in my skin, so it welts up. So it looks like chicken skin. On my arm. It's fucked off. <laughs> it sucks. It's, and, you know, the last couple of weeks here in Sacramento. I think you look great, Jeff. It's been 100 degrees. And it's, fuck, you know, because it just, you know, I, I can take the heat for so long. And then it just becomes like, oh, wow. Like, I'm a goddamn vampire. This sucks. <laughs> How'd you like it when you first moved Salinas to here? I loved it until it got summer. And I was yeah. like, oh, is this what it's going to be like? Shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's something I've never been able to get used to. I've been here for well over shit for uh, about 12 years and yeah i was born to this shit right. every year i knew what 100 degrees meant but it's funny because every time i go back to salinas i feel like i'm freezing my nards off i'm like oh my god this sucks i'm freezing it's teeth chattering and everything so we're gonna get on to our interview this is with jared klein he is my drummer toby swope's little brother his little half brother i've known him since he was a little kid really near and dear he's a brother to me as well I've uh, been through a lot, have a long history, and I'm so happy that he could be on the show. So, without further ado, Jared Klein from Rivers of Nile. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Glad to have you here, finally. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. We had some scheduling conflicts, but it's all good now. <laughs> yep. You're very busy. You've uh, always been pretty busy. So, we're going we're gonna to run down your uh, musical career, if that's cool with you. 
Yeah, that's fun. And can you tell us like when you started playing and that whole shabam and how you got interested in music and where you went from there? Uh, yeah, uh, my my dad um, tried to teach me how to play drums at a young age. Uh, ever since I could hold a drumstick, uh, and I guess as years went by, I got kind of embarrassed of how loud the drums were. So I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to play guitar. <laughs> so Rad. I picked up the guitar for a little bit and I mean, I was getting it, but it just wasn't, it felt a little off and my guitar teacher kind of scared me away from playing guitar. Cause he was kind of a dick, but I mean, now I look back and he was just trying to help. So, gotcha. uh, ended up starting playing drums again uh once a friend of mine got a drum set and she ended up giving it to me which was cool so i took it a little more serious around nine or ten years old um and then i started joining bands here and there i remember i remember remember when you were about nine or ten years old you woke me up playing drums i was asleep in your room on tour or wherever we were we're staying at night at your house your parents house and I, just, I was like 15. Was you yeah. 15? No, you were younger than that. You were way younger than maybe that. Maybe 13, maybe Cause, 12. Because you were really, but... really, your, your playing skills were just horrible. You were just bashing. <laughs> and yeah, I, they were pretty bad. And, and that I, was when I listened to like metalcore and emo a lot. Right. Well, I was I was asleep and I had a raging hangover and I just heard this bang, bang. And that's how he woke me up. <laughs> I was <laughs> yeah. in the same room going, what the fuck? I think I think I really wanted to hang out with you guys, so I was trying to wake you up a little bit. <laughs> you did. You accomplished that. I was. That's was that was that the time we went to the rib cook-off, or was that a different time? I think that was that time, or it might have been earlier than that. Actually, I think it was earlier than that. Maybe. Anyways, but okay. Yeah. So you got interested in bands, and then what was your first band? My first band was Midnight Veil. Uh, I was like a sophomore in high school and we started playing shows and got a little more serious locally, which was cool. Um, we ended up, Oh, my first show. So this story sucks, but, um, we, we played a show at a skate park and I, it was my first show ever like performing with a band. So I was like 16, I think. Uh, so I set up my kit and I forgot my carpet. So the whole set, my drum set, my bass drum was fucking sliding forward. And eventually, after every song, my friend, my friends Zach and also Xavier would be pushing my bass drum back into place for me. Uh, and <laughs> what a friend for? Yeah, it definitely helped me out. But it's just like. I'm playing this whole set that I've been practicing and I felt really good about and then it, it got shit on because uh, I was a dingus and never played a show before. So that was a very green moment that I learned from, I guess. Um, yeah, so then that we ended up going on a hiatus and then we brought the band back together but under a new name, which was Luck Won't Save You. And Russ and I still keep that going. Uh, I think 12 years now, maybe. So Luck Won't Save You is from Reno? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Ru- Russ lives in Idaho now, but it's just me and him. Great. Uh, we we just kind of grab people to do guest solos that just want to write something or whatever and see what we could do 
to uh, get our message across at the same time. And uh, this next EP that we're coming out with in August, um, we got uh, Brody doing a solo from Rivers of Nile, and my roommate and best friend Xavier is doing a guitar solo on the same song. So we're just grabbing like people that are in the, the music scene as well as people that enjoy the music scene and want to be a part of it and just enjoy writing to begin with. Awesome. Yeah, so that's sick. Um, and then after that, I joined a band called Enslave the Creation, right. which also has Chris Portugal in it. Um, he's an archaic, right? Yeah, he's also an archaic. Nice. Uh, it's kind of cool. <clears throat> we all decided to, I mean, they've been writing and stuff for a long time, like even when I was out of the band, but we're bringing it back together and writing new music, which is cool. And Very cool. Uh, we're all on the same page, and I've matured a lot more since then, and I know I was, I have been difficult to work with, uh, with the writing and stuff like that, just based on how we see things, but... We, I don't know, I felt we, we all have grown and we're able to work together, which is really cool. So we could just make a really technical album that's, uh, that we'll all be proud of to finally release something together. We'll be sick. <clears throat> yeah, that was, the first, um, that was the first time I ever saw you play a show was with Enslave the Creation. And uh, we, we, we played with you guys and I was blown away. I didn't, I never heard the band, you know, anything on a tape or whatever CD. So when I got to see you guys live, it was pretty surprising on how fast you progressed at that time in your life. It was really impressive. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of hard work, man. Like we practiced like up to five times a week and would practice maybe four hours, uh, or more depending on if we had to do something. Um, so that, that was like the height of me practicing constantly and I wish I could go back or not go back, but I wish I can do that now, but I work all the time. And that was when I was just like, I don't need a fucking job, dude. It's cool. <laughs> like I could just practice all fucking day. And once I did get a job, I would still end up practicing, but it was, it's not as, it's not like manual labor. Like I'm doing now picking up people's junk. <laughs> <laughs> Picking up their junk, dude. Awesome. Yeah, you, you, you work for yeah. one eight hundred got junk, right? One, yeah, one eight hundred got junk. If you know what hoarders is, yes. that show, yes, then you know what I do. That's gnarly. <laughs> that is fucking gnarly. But you know what? Um, they let you tour, right? You can take off and come back. Yeah, it's pretty sick, and I'm I'm very thankful and right. grateful for my boss because he understands like he used to play in a band locally here and like during my interview he was like whoa you're in all these bands that i've heard of That's and been right. a fan of so yeah I, i'm willing to work with you and like even if he didn't know he he knows what it's like and like just to uh wanting to like chase your passion and do what you believe in and stuff like that so that was pretty cool to fall upon um and it was just like a random interview from indeed and i was in need of a job and it just worked out so well 
sick. It was kind of crazy. So why did why did uh, why did you eventually leave and, and slave the creation? What was up with that? Uh, so I ended up moving to Sacramento and I joined Psychosomatic. Uh, we were <clears throat> I I was dipping my toes into touring a lot more uh, before I joined Psychosomatic. I uh, I think the only tours I did were like weekend warrior tours or sure. Uh, like a nine-day tour where I did double duty for Flub and Cyborg Octopus when I was playing for them That's at that time. Badass. Yeah, that was, that was nine days of fun. Like that was the the coolest shit ever. Uh, when I was at, I think it was 2014. Right. Yeah. Fuck. Six years ago. Holy shit. Time flies. Yeah, this is weird. Um. Yeah. So I ended up joining flub and psychosomatic and i felt there was too much on my plate and like since flub and psychosomatic was based in sacramento which i then lived at at the time it was easier to i felt it was easier to quit and slave the creation and also i uh i don't know like it was just hard for me to work with them or we we're all having problems working together at the time. Right. So I felt it was best to move on and they understood and let me do what I had to do. And now we're bringing it back together and we're just ready to let the past be the past and write some sick shit. That is, that is fucking badass, dude. That's so cool that all four of you guys just really kind of just said, you know what, let's do it. That's really great to hear. Cause that, yeah. was, that was a really sick band. I was kind of bummed that you guys broke up, and I mean, I was glad that you guys came. You know, you came over to work with us because we uh, we were going through all kinds of transitional changes and everything. And Toby kind of hit me. I was kind of surprised. He was like, "Hey, I'm gonna have Jared play drums." I was like, "Whoa!" Because I was like digging for another guitar player because uh, you know Vince wasn't working out. So I was kind of shocked, and then I thought, "Wow, Toby on on guitar." That was uh, the old switcheroo. It was really cool. I was glad to have you join. Especially after, yeah, we started, me too. after we started practicing, I, I got a better feel for it. Yeah, because I remember you were a little iffy, and then I was just like, well, I know all the material and have known the material since I was nine years old. So, Well, my, my, uh, my, 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 <laughs> issue, my issue wasn't with you necessarily. It was just having Toby not play drums. I was like, oh, and I know he wanted to, like, switch, and I was like, all right, cool. Because I was, because, yeah. you know, Toby's a... He's a fucking monster. <laughs> like in all aspects, right? <laughs> when he plays drums, there's there's nobody that plays like Toby. I mean, like, the only ones I've remotely heard are probably like Dave Lombardo, you know, and maybe a couple others that are just insanely heavy, fast, hard hitters that just hit. Like yeah. the Tom hits are just like thunder, you know. It's awesome. Yeah, and he's heavily influenced by Lombardo, and like like I was saying, all aspects. Like he plays guitar, drums, sings, screams. He when he he likes to read a lot, so he learns a lot, and he's just like constantly trying to be a better person every day and working on himself. And like, he's pretty much—I mean, he's pretty much fluent in Spanish, and that's very inspirational. Inspirational to me because I am uh, dipping my foot in that. I guess uh, I'm still still learning. I want to be able to speak to my uh, Hispanic friends in in their native tongue so that would be tight to be a part of and like i don't know just to have fun and be able to speak a different language Orale. um yeah simon so like 
Okay, what, what, do you, what do you remember the most about being psychosomatic? What do I remember? Uh, I, I remember being uh, especially stressed out. Uh, <laughs> like, not... <laughs> be, be being in psychosomatic... Yeah, I mean, we were all stressed out. But, like, that was a time where we were all going through changes and becoming better people than we were at the same time, as well as dealing with each other and having a bad time. <laughs> well, it but, was, yeah, you're right. It was it was constant change. Like it was just it was ne- we could never like settle in. It was always some like new random thing, and a lot of it was due to me as well. I mean, you know, like you said, we were all going through shifts and 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 you know having to like check our own egos, and that goes out all the way across the board, you know. And it was it was really a yeah. tough time for us, even though. We were writing some of the best material we ever written, which is really cool. But and uh, probably was, the ti- the tightest we've ever been. Oh, for I, sure. From what I heard, but absolutely. I mean, it was razor not tight. My own horn here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got the videos to prove it, so it was really fun. Yeah, true. And yeah, one of the, one of the cool things <clears throat> is we when we finally got you on the road and we did a real tour. I love the fact that you were like, "Let's let me drive," and I was like, "Fuck." drive as long as you want and you drove for fucking days dude i was like wow <laughs> yeah I, and i still do like right. i was i was especially scared of the fucking van that we had because it was so top heavy and it right. took the wind so terribly like every time we went on to, under a bridge in wyoming <laughs> of course of course wyoming and fucking and nebraska like anytime we went over like under a stupid bridge or overpass the van would <laughs> fucking veer into the other lane and then the trailer would be all shaky because we had a, a somewhat shot trailer so i was scared and like just like my my knuckles were turning white because of because of how fucking like i'm i'm at like either three and nine or two and two and ten or some shit i don't know on the steering wheel just right. like trying to keep both hands on and i got scared but Besides that, I had a great time. <laughs> it was wild. I mean, that thing was like a goddamn pirate ship with all of us in it. And yeah, it was, it was... and it kind of helped me for the future, like with touring and stuff, because I still drive like a like a madman. Right. Uh, af- after shows, usually, I'll be hyped up still from from our set, and then I'll just want to like drive for six to eight hours, depending on the weather. Yeah, you know, Psychosomatic was a very stressful band, but like since then, it's been like smooth sailing, you know, because I think it was good that we all kind of went through that because it was a total like, especially myself, you know, I had to uh, really check my ego like hard and I had to basically just clean from the inside out, inside of my head. And that's one of the inspirating things about going through bad shit is you usually realize hey, you know, maybe I'm the problem, you know, and that's, I had to really kind of flush out my head, change everything about it. And ever since then, it's gone up. And that's a great thing. And I'm glad. Right. And, and likewise with you. I mean, I just, dude, after you like bailed, I was like, because the whole band was on hold for a minute. Like it was, we didn't, I know, remember. we didn't know what the fuck we were going to do. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden we figured it out. And, and um, I just heard, oh, Jared, Toby's all Jared joined Rivers of Nile. And I'm like, huh? Holy shit. <laughs> now, how did that happen? How'd that happen? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, 
we all know this guy, and he's a sick dude, uh, Brett Bamberger. Yes, from Revocation. It's all, it's all his doing uh, in the best way possible. Fuck yeah. Um, so Toby came into the room, and he was like, so Brett called me and said that Rivers needs a drummer. And if you don't fucking do it, I will. And I know you're a fan, so don't don't fucking pull. No, he didn't say that. But he's like, I know you've shown me this band several times, and I think you should do it. And I'm like, well, duh. So I got in touch with Brody. Hi, Brody. Uh, and Brett and Toby. Uh, fucking, so I made a video. <laughs> Uh, Brody was like can you learn these songs and I was like sick I already know these and I play these on the reg fuck yeah so uh, I sent Brody a video of Dehydrate one of the songs and then sent him a video of this uh, the song Monarchy which is uh, the title of their second album or our second album even though i didn't write it but right i could put you get it yeah. uh so um yeah i learned those songs within a day and then sent him the videos the next day because i, I wanted to send it to him immediately but i didn't know shit about editing video so i had to look up some stuff and it took me a while to figure it out but now i know so that's cool and then uh he watched the videos and he said i like how like, even though I didn't completely learn them all, I still tried my best. He's like, I like how um, how accurate you are, even though I didn't think I was at the time. And then uh, he said, I hit with a lot of power. And he's like, you're in the band. Do you want to go to Mexico with us? And I was like, oh, sick. Okay. Uh, and then um, that didn't end up working out because of a thing that I can't really talk about. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, um, I'm just kidding. Uh, so it just didn't work out financially. Gotcha. Okay. So, so uh, we didn't go on the tour. And I'm talking to you guys as I'm cleaning up my room. <laughs> Rad. My mom's in town. I'm trying to make it look pretty. Tell your mom I said hi, that we said hi. I will, for I love sure. Your, mom. your mom's the coolest mom. I've never seen a mom so supportive over her kids, and it's just amazing. Totally. Yeah, and same with my dad. Like, they used to tour. Fuck yeah. And, which and, is insane. And what did they play? Like, where did they play at? Uh, my dad started playing drums at nine years old. And uh, when he was, like, 12, he was playing for a high school band. And then in high school, he was playing for uh, just, like, a bunch of bands, uh, like I'm doing now. But uh, he also, when he was in high school, he used to jam with, like, Kenny Rogers and... Uh, the dudes from Three Dog Night and Tower of Power before they were Three Dog Night or Tower of Power because they're all kids just badass. hanging out in a basement, you know? Oh, yeah, that's badass. So that's cool. That's inspirational, again. And uh, my mom used to tour all the time. Like, they were on the East Coast for a while, and I guess they toured for, like, four straight years, so... Uh, same with my dad. He he toured the world twice with Engelbert Humperdinck and my mom and and Toby's dad were in a band together, uh, which 
I'm not really sure if he was conceived on tour, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. That is <laughs> that's the you best know, thing ever. Yeah, you never know. I don't know. He could yeah. be a tour baby, but I don't. I don't remember that like any story. Because you know, sometimes your parents are like, "Well, you were conceived in a right. vehicle or <laughs> yeah, some right, shit." Right. <laughs> like what? I didn't need to know that, mom. <laughs> you're, you're my happy little accident. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, and then she influenced me to sing because she has like the sickest singing voice ever. Right. And, uh, yeah, so that kind of turned me on to singing like falsetto or like just singing and screaming my face off. And, uh, yeah, which then got me into like mimicking people as a kid and so i i did that a lot which pissed my mom off and then she was like why why don't you just like mimic like cartoon characters so i was like yeah i, I guess i uh, uh i kind of like mimicking you but being a shithead kid oh my god but um yeah so then i started mimicking uh like people like random cartoons and I still want to be a voice actor for like cartoons and, and or something. I think that would be sick. You know, it's, fun, it's, it's funny you say that because we, we played a show last year and we opened up for violence. It was at the Oakland Metro and you came out with us. You teched for Toby and then you came out. And I did, was there. Yeah you, yeah. you came out and you did. You sang Every, everybody, hates, everybody me, hates me. But the way you sang it was exactly the same way that Toby sang it, sang it on Unquenchable Thirst. And that was impressive. I didn't really notice that until I saw the YouTube video of it. I was like, holy shit, that sounds exactly like Toby's version. Kind of, yeah. I, right. that, was, that was kind of my thoughts exactly because I was trying to like do it like Toby. And that's been ingrained in my head ever since right. Unquenchable Thirst came out. And I got that after my mom and dad and I visited and stayed at your place when you and Toby lived together at one point. Right. And that was, and I got the CD and I would just listen to it on my fucking Walkman like constantly. <laughs> killer. The great days. Okay, so back to Rivers yeah. and Nile, you yeah. finally did hook up with them and, and did you, like what was your first touring experience with them? What was that like? My f- uh, I mean, it was cool. Like it wasn't as long as the the tour that we did because we were on tour for two straight months and that yeah. was fu- that was fucking killer it was burly we did our headlining tour and then we toured with havoc for two weeks afterwards and it was a total of seven weeks all together but it was brutal that was the longest it was hard one. yeah that was pretty grueling but i'm glad i did it because i learned a lot right. i learned how to tour i learned how to load in i learned some problem solving things and also learned that after you pay your car off uh, sometimes you get that curse and you get in a car accident or like your car just goes to shit. <laughs> you got in a car accident? Yeah. In uh, 2016, I was still in psychosomatic and my buddy Xavier was in the car with me. Right. And uh, we had a pizza. We had a pizza in the car. And once we got rear ended, we were at a stop. We got rear ended by a, a chick going like 50. Oh my God. And Ouch. yeah, Xavier, Xavier had the pizza on his lap and uh, like the pizza just went and hit the, the <laughs> windshield of the car. 
and there, and there's like pizza and pepperoni just stuck on the windshield. <laughs> and th- yeah, thankfully he's fine. His back's okay. You guys Sometimes, are okay though, right? Yeah, we're fine. All right, cool. Sometimes I have problems with it, but he might have some problems going on uh, lately. He that might. Sucks. Yeah, let me he, get, let Xavier's me, let, actually right here. Let me guess. She was on her phone. She was on her phone. Fuck. And the funny thing was, when when the dad showed up, he didn't even have a concern for his daughter's life. He just saw his minivan like crumbled, and he's like, <laughs> "My car." <laughs> <laughs> He's thinking yeah, it was, buddy. <laughs> it's not his daughter. Yeah, it's totally sick. And then I went to court for it and couldn't get anything out of it. How's it uh, going, Xavier? Jeff says, how's it going? He's waving hi because he's got a mouthful of tacos. Nice. Yeah. So when you were with Rivers and Now, you guys really picked up some momentum, right? And that was before you recorded the record. The word uh Owls Know My Name. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you're cutting out a little bit. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no problem. I was just talking about how you guys were touring a little bit before you recorded, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did a, the Darkest Hour tour with uh, Rotten Sound and Ringworm. Sick. Um, yeah, that tour was sick. It was hard, though. Like some, we, we went we went to one venue in Houston, and uh, we weren't even on the flyer. So that was kind of weird. We, we showed up and, like, did our sound check, which took over an hour. And they thought we were a local band opening up for the longest time. Oh, wow. So that, yeah, I mean, there were weird things like that. And, like, it it was a brutal tour because, like, not a lot of people showed up. But, they, like, in, the, in their hometown, people showed up. And, like, all the shows that, I guess, would matter. Because we did play a lot of small cities or, like, cities that, don't even listen to our music you know sure because there are small towns like that but uh there are select few people that uh listen to the the good stuff i guess (laughs) um and then we moved on to we did another tour a couple months later uh which was devastation on the nation that's right Okay. That was a fun one with Decrepit Birth and Cryptopsy for their 20th anniversary of None So Vile, which was tight. Badass. Hear, hearing that every night. Um, there were tons of bands on there, like the Zenith Passage and Gloom and... Yeah, yeah. There's how a, how so, long was that tour? That was like five weeks. Nice. Maybe. Because we were trying to hit every major city in the States. Gotcha. Uh, and like, yeah, so that was fun. That was a good time for sure. Um, and then that was after that tour, they asked me to join the band. Right. And they were, they were already showing me pre-production stuff, which was really awesome. And Brody knows how to record and mix and master stuff. And it just sounds like a regular album for pre-production, which is nuts. Um, yeah, so I joined the band. We did a couple more tours and then recorded uh, recorded Where Owls Know My Name in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which was cool. Who recorded um, it? Who recorded it? Yeah. Uh, Carson and Grant. Um, 
yeah, they they record people uh, like August Burns Red and and uh, a bunch of other stuff. They they play in uh, Galactic Empire, which is a Star Wars metal band. Sick. Yeah, they they're sick dudes. They know what they're doing. That's for sure. I think you've played them for me. I have, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I remember because I, I was like, I'm going to meet these guys and record with them. Look right. at their sick band. <laughs> right, exactly. I remember most of the time when you were driving, it was so you could monopolize a stereo. And I don't think I'd ever heard <laughs> that many blast beats in in seven weeks in a row in my life. And I was like, God damn, you know what, Jared? Don't, aren't these these bands all sound the fucking same? And then I'm thinking to myself, Oh shit, I'm old. <laughs> I'm officially old. Damn it. Well, I mean, they kind of do. Everybody has some right. fucking blast beats. And uh, I mean, like, it, I only played that stuff because it helped me stay awake. But I was also <laughs> uh, being a shithead and, like, telling you that the music sucks and, like, being a, a, an elitist in a way. Well, I, I, you know, I understood. I mean, dude, I was. I but was, then yeah. I woke up and I'm like, dude, Alice in Chains is tight, though. Right. And, and, and we all yeah, go through so. that. I mean, I, I was, dude, I was the exact same way. You know, when I was uh, at that time, what were you, 24 or something like that? Yeah, I was yeah. 24. Yeah, when I was 24, all I wanted to hear was punk rock and anything else I'd listen to would suck. I get it. <laughs> exactly. Know? And then now I listen to, like, everything. Literally, things that you would laugh at, basically. And I'm like, oh, no, this is great. I remember a lot of times. A lot of times, Toby would be in the van with me. Like, are you really into that? Or are you fucking with me? I'm like, no, dude. I'm actually really into it. He would just be like, giving me this look. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? You know, I'm rocking some Britney Spears. You know, I'm like, this is really good shit. And he's looking at me, going, "What the fuck?" I wasn't liking Britney Spears. I was looking at the chord progressions, the production, all those things is what I was looking at. The hooks, why people like it, how it was catchy. Those are the things I'm thinking about. Not her shaking her ass on stage. That's just retarded. So yeah, those okay, are the, pal. Hey, yeah, right, exactly. And, he, and Toby's just, I'm explaining this to Toby's. He's looking at me with a smirk on his face like. This is so bummed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So uh, anyways, I remember you guys, you sent me a little clip of the album before you guys put it out. And it was, I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is like really, I just knew it was going to be huge. I was like, damn, this thing's fucking badass. And then uh, you you guys did the album cover, and I saw you were right on the album cover. I was like, oh, wow, that looks just like Jerry. <laughs> and, I, I think it's just all of our personalities put together just looking bummed as fuck. <laughs> totally. And I was really stoked when it came out. Now, since when the album came out, how did that go for you? Uh, I mean, we we didn't expect to do the big tours or, like, we didn't really expect a whole lot because we were kind of just doing whatever we wanted or what Brody wanted, really. Right. And Biggs. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. It's just cool. Like, they would ask me if that was shot or not. Like, I was just like, dude, this is sick. And if anybody doesn't like it, then maybe we'll get some new friends or fans out of it. Exactly. Like, we were especially uh, scared of... Um, Subtle Change, which is that crazy prog, carry on my wayward son shit. Uh, <laughs> like, like they, we thought that that wasn't going to go too well I love at that. all. I love that shit. <laughs> yeah, me too. Right, I'm like, great. dude, this is the sickest song on the album, and, and you're about to delete it or just right. like not put it on the album, and we ended up doing it. Badass. And that and A Home were the last two songs that I got, so I was only able to play with the clicks 
uh, with subtle change for maybe like a week or a week and a half. So I got to play with some ideas in the studio for both of those songs. And uh, most of the parts on a home were improvised because I had no idea what I was doing or what to do. And then I ended up learning the song afterwards. And like, I'm glad. I think it's fun to improvise in the studio because like you could just come up with shit that you never really thought of. Like that weird fill in the beginning, it's like a 12 count fill. And I, I was just doing it because I was getting off time and kind of fucking around. Right. And then, and then I continued playing the rest of this, not the rest of the song, but uh, Carson and Brody stopped me at one point and was like, did you, did you want that? Did you do that on purpose? Cause that's going to suck to play live at 300 BPM. <laughs> <laughs> But it's so good. I'm, it's so good. I'm like, yeah, uh, let's, yeah, let's fucking do it. And then the last part, like before the end of the song, I do doubles at 300 BPM because I'm basically doing double time of 150, right? Uh, which right. is what they're playing at. Right. But like sometimes I don't execute it, and that's fine. I do get hard on myself for not properly executing it, but I've. I feel since this uh, COVID shit, uh, I'm able to like understand the root of my problem with me constantly judging myself. And I mean, it's obviously it's been like only a week to where I'm trying my best to not do that, and I'm trying to stay conscious of it. But that would also hinder my attitude after shows, where I would be so upset at myself, where I wouldn't converse with anybody. Uh, because I felt like I was ruining the show, right. or like, or like just fucking up in general, mm-hmm. you know. So I got to learn a lot to learn still, but I feel like I'm making some headway with that, and uh, it feels good. I just had that conversation on uh, on Facebook with somebody, and, and it was about how really genuine artists are always the worst self critics. I mean, that's just the way it goes, right? And that's why you excel past your your goal right because you 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 want to you have this high standard and it's never going to be met now that's not necessarily a bad thing but at the same time you can't let it defeat you and that's where the real genius comes in because you will figure out a way to do it and if oh yeah yeah and i think that's that's wonderful it's a beautiful it's a blessing actually in disguise yeah kind of and then like also like in the past when people would be like, don't be so hard on yourself. And in my head, I'd be like, well, if I wasn't so hard on myself, I wouldn't be practicing this much. Right, I, I right. wouldn't be so militant on myself to be able to do what I'm able to do today. But uh, I mean, I'm glad that I did that. But I'm, I also wish that I would have been a little nicer to myself. And now nowadays it's kind of fucking me up because I'm not too nice to myself ever but I'm nice to everybody else. Sure. Right. <laughs> you know, like, like why should I should just treat myself how I want to be treated. Yep. And learn self-respect. I mean, that was my big thing when I was going through that change, that transitional psychological change after, uh, 2015, 2016, I had to go really deep and find that what is kicking my ass all the time. And that was my ego. And when I got my ego in check, to, to kind of reverse the method, not to inflate, but to love yourself without 
any ego involved and care because this is our only body we have. This is our only mind. This is our only life. We don't get an option. So when you learn to manifest that in a positive way, that's going to propel you not in an egotistic form, but in a self-love form, that's the best yeah. way. That's when you're in the, the zone. And uh, you'll, you'll get there. You've done massive amounts of work and you've done great. I can, I can tell just by talking to you, you're a lot more confident than you used to be for sure. And, uh, well, thank you. Hundred percent, and you're. Wow, thank and, you. And what is and same to you. And what is three hundred BPM? That's fucking circus freak shit. The fuck, three hundred beats per minute? Because I need to. I don't know, dude. I don't think you're really gonna get there till you get four hundred, bro. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Too bad four hundred's probably made up. I mean, it is made up. Four four twenty BPM, brother. Slow it down. You know, you know, Flint Marshall brought something to me that they have these like fucking they have these kick pedals that Speaking have Speaking like, of fast. <laughs> yeah. Well he was telling me, I didn't know this, but we were outside the this local venue in Sac and he's like, dude, they have this thing now where the pedals have like a laser and they can double yeah. time that laser. And I'm all, what? I'm all, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, dude, like a, just a normal beat is like doubled. So he's all, dude, these guys do their double kick and it sounds like a fart all. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's like, it's so fast. It just sounds like a fart all. <laughs> I fucking was on the floor laughing my ass off when he told me that. I was like, are you serious? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> dude, you ain't shit, bro. Check us out. <laughs> all right, you suck. <laughs> what kind of shit is that? I'm like, why would anybody even think of that? That's so weird. That's like. That's like Cause. that's like a Terminator on steroids. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I love the speed. I like when I hear that shit and it's clean and tight. But at the same time, it's I know that it's ridiculous. It's so difficult to play live, no matter how good you are. I mean, what's the fastest BPMs you've ever gotten to? Three hundred. That's insane. That's crazy. It, it's just, very dumb. You're just tapping your shit like I'm trying to do it right now. Like I can't even. I can't even do like. 120 bpm well just just think of i mean even even the eighth notes at 300 are pretty ridiculous you know right so uh and now and speaking of which what kind of pedals do you guys use what do you use i use the trick dominators and those are ones uh, that you bring on tour with you or do you have a different set yes that's that's what i bring with me everywhere nice. and uh i'm endorsed by them as well as foot blaster who makes uh, triggers and um, let's see scorpion percussion drumsticks minor symbols I'm probably forgetting something what about your drum kit oh Vradom shoes my drum kit I'm I'm not endorsed but I'm what do you working play? on it what do I play yeah uh, the one the kit that I have at home is a Tamastar classic it's maple and then uh, the my tour kit I use a DW Classic ac acrylic series kit, right? Which uh, I really enjoy. So now, the last time you played with us, you filled in for Toby because it was after the Violence Show. It was a really small Blue Lamp show. It was a really poor turnout, but whatever. It was, it was fun as fuck. Yeah, it was, it was. We didn't really have a lot of time to practice. No, but, but it I was. Really it was sick. Enjoyed it. Well, I went with you. We went to a local music store. And you got that snare drum that is like a fucking cannon, dude. And that, that, yeah. that's the same one that Toby has, right? Because it's yep, loud. That's I was, why I bought it. <laughs> dude, that thing gave me a fucking headache, dude. Like it just straight up gives you a headache. It's so loud. I was like, dude, it's like like a it's like like a machine gun. Bah, 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 and it's like wow. And if you listen to the Metro show that we play, and he's playing on that, you can hear how loud that thing is. It's 
the loudest thing that's on the stage. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. It's loud as fuck. They probably didn't really, or yeah, Dave probably didn't have to turn it up a lot. No, he actually <laughs> turned it down, like towards the middle of the set. You can tell it goes down and it bleeds into the <laughs> but it's just retarded. And that, uh, so you, you have that. Do you still play that, or is that just for certain shows? I still have it. I, I use it uh, all the time. I've like retired my old snare because it's been so, it's been dropped by so many bandmates. Do you do gravity? Myself. Yeah, I actually put a gravity blast on the Luck Won't Save You album that's coming out. Sick. Yeah. I remember me and Toby were learning about gravity blast. Like, I, we're like, what is it? And he's like, I think it's where you get your, like, I don't know what it is, but I think it's where you get your stick to hit the snare and the rim at the same time. Oh, look, I'm doing it right now. It's all. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, that is funny. Because he's just, because Toby's a savant, he could play anything. Uh, and, you know, speaking of which, on your record, um, who plays the saxophone? Because that was that caught me off guard the first time I heard that. I was like, that's badass. Like to throw a saxophone on a fucking progressive technical death metal band is pretty impressive, and make it yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. His name's Zach Zach Strauss. Uh, he's a teacher, and uh, yeah, he could play saxophone like a motherfucker. So. Um, Brody had a random idea and was like, hey, you want to try playing saxophone to this? And it just ended up working out. And then we became the saxophone band. Right. I remember, I remember <laughs> everybody talking. Everybody wanted a saxophone in their band after that, too. It's hilarious. Saxophone. And uh, did he ever play live with you guys? Yes. And, uh, yeah, he, he did our last tour that we did in europe the european tour that we did with thy art is murder um Sick. yeah it was cool uh yeah it was cool to play with him on stage and also patrick who plays in cyborg octopus uh he came on a few tours with us he does saxophone as well <laughs> yeah he plays saxophone and sings and plays piano and yeah he's he's talented as fuck so that's pretty cool now um that's another yeah. band that's still playing too right cyborg octopus yeah they uh they just recorded uh three weeks ago right. at fang studios and you you recorded with them too as well right yeah 2015 they were my first session like recording session ever right so that was it was cool to be a part of and like work with david and work with Nick for my first time, which eventually got me into recording other bands and actually joining his band, The Undying, with uh, Travis from Abiotic. Um, yeah. So have you recorded with The Undying? Yeah. Uh, we've had an album done for like two or three years, I think. But um, Nick's been so busy that uh, he hasn't really had too much time to work on the album at all. Okay, now, um, now we're gonna. But good for him at the same time. Right, we're stay busy. Okay, now we're gonna shift gears. We're gonna make some room for the big band in your life. Okay, and this is the one that's I know you for more than anybody. It's a flub. Now, yeah. can we run down the history of your involvement in that band? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so it's about six or seven years old now. Flub is. Uh, and has been. Wait, time out, time out. What? Okay, cut that. Cut you got it. it. Cut it. All right. All right, go ahead, dude. Well, I cut it, actually. Yeah, I cut, yeah, I cut, you cut it real well. All right, there you go. go ahead. Cut. 
Cut that out, Mike. <laughs> fucking leave that in. Absolutely not. Fucking asshole. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jared. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Uh, so, yeah, it's like Flub is about six or seven years old, and it kind of started uh, with Mike and I talking on the internet about recording like a three-track EP or just a single for something that he wrote on guitar. And then eventually um, he brought some material to me uh, like through his friend Eloy, which I met uh, the weekend I came over to record that song for Mike. And uh, Eloy came up to me and showed me the material like after I was done with Mike's stuff. And they, Mike said that he was involved doing vocals. And like even then he was fucking crazy screaming like a goblin uh banshee banshee (laughs) with his crazy goblin ass vocals like a cattle decap yeah he's stuff like that he's awesome yeah so eloy showed me the material i was really into it because it has it had a whole bunch of random music styles uh like he showed me the first song colors which was the first song that i wrote drums for um I kind of would just ask for the click tracks and I would write it myself pretty much the whole song by myself and like played it over and over and over and over. And, uh, yeah, he asked if I wanted to join and I was like, sick, let's do it. And it's been like that ever since. And we've worked well together. I've driven long distances to work with them as, as well as cyborg octopus and the undying and psychosomatic, like, and, uh, underling, I filled in for underling for a little bit. A lot of commitment. Um, yeah, so I would drive a couple hundred miles to play a show, and I mean, just to have fun and learn things and build new relationships. And yeah, I mean, like I, I had the passion and still do so, to do so. So, barring the COVID lockdown, you're just busy. You're nonstop, right? You're just go, 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 go. With bands, yeah. with, with all kinds of projects all the time. Yeah, as much as I can, anyway. Like, I do miss driving to California uh, and you- having a reliable car, but I just need... Right. I mean, my I have a reliable car, but I don't know if it'll make it out of town. Sure. <laughs> That's my main concern. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm always down to do whatever, whenever... So, do you guys have any plans for after this, all this whole dilemma with uh, COVID 19's over? Uh, I would like to fucking tour as much as possible. You know, have you guys have you discussed it with any bands? Uh, I mean, we have discussed stuff like uh, we're. I mean, can't really say too much, but Rivers, we're just focusing on what we're doing in. Uh, in real life (laughs) and then uh also like writing a few things flubs writing a few things um like i don't know we're just trying to focus on our own lives and do what we can to get some music out as well as tour when we can safely uh because we're not trying to jump the gun and also, we, I've been discussing with bandmates uh, that, I mean, once we are able to tour, every band's going to want to tour, and it's gonna, the scene's going to be oversaturated. So I don't want to be the band that maybe starts a third 
break out of COVID or like gotcha. I, and also like a lot of people will be spending money on other bands, which is great. But like some sometimes some packages won't get the love that they should because of another band being in town the day before or like people double booking venues or having multiple bands in one city at one time. So that would be a little tough. You should, uh, you should get into like cloning and clone yourself about seven times. So the, the local scene will have enough drummers <laughs> <laughs> and Gabe Sieber for sure. Gabe is a monster. I want to get him. I plan on getting him on the show. Dude's a savage. Well, you, yeah. you better. I want to get, I want to get all the, the techie drummers, even Flint. I want to get his fucking ass on here. That'd be hilarious. I don't know if we would even talk about shop. We would probably just talk shit the whole time, though. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, it's been a pleasure having you here, Jared. Uh, love you to death, and uh, love you too. Uh, what? It, give us some final thoughts on what you what you have going on. What I have going on? Yeah, for the future. Oh, for the future. Um, well, Grindfeld might write some new stuff, but I don't really know yet because everybody's what's, what's Grindfeld. Grindfeld is uh it's a Seinfeld parody death metal band. <laughs> That's awesome. Now what what, you, if, what is it? What is it? How is it a parody? Do you guys do the sound do you do the, the theme of it or do you do lyrics based on it or Yeah, it's pretty much I mean if we were talking about like if we ever did play live, we would dress up like the Seinfeld characters and um okay. the lyrics are based on certain episodes in the first five seasons, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, that's uh, that's impressive. Yeah, Joel from Wretched is in on it. Uh, he wrote the guitars, and then Monty. Uh, he used to be an Alter Beast and Fallujah, and filled in for Thy Art is Murder for a little bit. Um, yeah, so he would write he would write the lyrics just based on episodes in Seinfeld. <laughs> that's awesome. Do you, so. Am I missing any other bands? I mean, have we gone through all 200 of them? <laughs> all 7,000. It's awesome, dude. I love that you're busy. But, hey, we're going to wrap this up. And uh, everybody, Jared Klein. Bye. Bye. Okay, now we have the Q&A segment that you guys post a question on my Facebook and I will try to answer them the best I can. And uh, Mike's going to read them for you. So go ahead, Mike. All right. First, qu- first question, Britta Guerrero. How did you get your hair so silky? Well, the hair that I have left on my head that hasn't fallen all the way off the backside because my forehead's so big. Um, I, I'm not afraid or ashamed to say that I have a beautician. I go see stylists and I have my hair taken care of because I'm old as shit and I don't want my hair looking like a bunch of spiders are having a meeting on it with a bunch of cobwebs. So I get that shit dyed and conditioned. Next. All right. Next question is from Daniel Cavazos. What strategies do you recommend for keeping your head up and to move forward stronger after a breakup? Oof. Sorry to hear that, buddy. That's, that's not good. Um, you know, I am the last person to ask about relationship advice because I've been I have a really bad reputation as far as relationships go. Everybody knows this. This is not a fucking secret. And I don't give a fuck because that's all changed now. Not really. But anyways, so um, I do know how to get past a breakup. And I think the mindset has to change to where you have to realize your self-worth and 
put your standards at a certain level that you feel that you would be comfortable with and don't let anybody break your standards when you're moving forward. That's the real problem, regardless of what your gender is. You have to have standards in your life that will you will feel comfortable with and adhere to them because that's the problem is that we compromise too much of ourselves to take care of somebody else's, you know, needs instead of looking at our own and feeling out what is fair. So when you're breaking up and to get over it, you just got to stay busy, stay focused on yourself and move forward. Like literally stay busy. Like don't be sitting at home thinking about it and dwelling on it. Like get off your ass and do something, go work out, go play guitar, uh, write a book, ride a bike. I don't care what it is. Just keep doing something. And yes, it's going to hurt. Of course it hurts. It hurts as in the sense of as much as you cared about the person, that's how much is it's going to hurt. You know, if you, if you went out with somebody, you didn't really care that much. It's not really that big of a deal if you leave or if they leave you. But if you do care about them, it's going to be just as painful as much as you love them. As That's how bad it'll hurt. So my, my, my advice would be to that is to stay as busy as you can. And if it gets too heavy, please talk to somebody. Do not hold that shit in because it'll get toxic. Anyways, next. All right, next question is from Don McMillan III. What happened to flyering, CD trading, stickers, going to shows to fill clubs because it's metal, it's local, not just to support friends? Um, technology. Technology happened. Everybody's got a phone. Everybody looks at their phone. Nobody really kind of looks at street signs anymore they don't look at flyers they're just everybody is on their phone now i mean it's sad but true you can post a bunch of flyers up but how many people actually stop and look at the flyer that aren't looking at their phone when they're not driving or looking at where they're going i mean that's just the way it is i've had this discussion so many times about record sales and unit sales and it's all based on the age of digital music that pretty much changed the entire landscape. And I don't think it's just done with music. I think we're going to see in the future, it's going to change a lot of different things as well. Movies. Yep. Movies. Yeah. Uh, everything like all your big companies are going to go to Netflix. Like Netflix is are. making movies yeah, now. They already are. They're, they're having premieres on Netflix. They don't even have the theatrical release. Theaters are going to be like, what, what are you going with you? Why are you leaving your home? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, that's kind of where we're at. We're headed. And it's just, I don't agree with it. I'm old, but you know, you can, you can also look at it this way. Like at least we got to do that. At least we got to live that experience, which kids these days will never know. So I, I'm really grateful for my age and my experience on what I got to experience in this world. We got to have pre digital life, pre, you know, online technology and all that stuff. Before that, we actually had to do everything and took up most of our time. And now we're left with all this time to do nothing but look at our phones and whatever aspirations we do. So that's that's the trade-off you get. You get convenience, and you also get everything taken out of that as well, the genuine aspects. What was it? Give me convenience or give me death? Dead Kennedys. There it is. Next. All right, our next question is from Mike Smith. If not music and art, what other aspirations would you have liked to have followed? I would have liked to continued with sports. Okay, before I answer that question, let me tell you guys who Mike Smith is. I know that name's kind of... You know, generic. <laughs> this guy is like one of the coolest guys I went to high school with. He was a true punk rocker, and he was actually the very first singer Psychosomatic ever had. He sang in the band from, I think it was, I want to say, 1988 to 1990. 
He was great. We did a bunch of shows together, and he was this big old giant kind of like skater punk dude. He was badass. I mean, he was just a tall guy. He was big. And uh, he was really sweet, had a killer voice, sounded like the accused, just scream his head off. He kind of shocked me when we were doing vocal tryouts, and I was like, I want that guy in my band. He's awesome. I actually wasn't the original singer in the band. I didn't come on. I didn't start vocals until later, but he was the original lead singer for Psychosomatic. Did really you cool. record anything with him? We did a, a small demo tape with like two songs, and I don't even know where it's at now. Oh, that sucks. Right. But there is, I think I do somewhere have a cassette with us playing a show with him live in Santa Cruz or Watsonville or something like that. That's dope. But um, as far as this question, do I, I mean, I, I've always wanted to be an artist when I was a little kid. That's all I did was draw. I didn't get into music until way later, till probably like high school or actually I got my first guitar in junior high. So that's when I started music. Even before that, I, I did saxophone, but I sucked. You know, I, I really tried it. I, it was just something to do in class, right? I, you know, I, I just, all I learned how to do was play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And I was like, this sucks. Because it, it took so much work to do it. And then I grabbed it. My grandfather bought me a guitar, a little acoustic guitar. And I was like, this is so much easier. It's so much easier to learn. Because on saxophone, you got all these different keys. But anyways, that's what started. When I started playing music, and I was such a fan of music, then I just knew entertainment was what I always wanted to do. Anything outside of that, I actually tried. I tried to be a manager at a couple different companies. Just wasn't my thing. Um, I found it to be very stressful and a lot of pressure. And I just, I didn't want to live like that. I just, I remember, you know, the last time I left my last job, I had this, my physical health got dramatically improved once I left the job. It was insane. So that's, you know, I, I tried a lot of things, but that's pretty much where I'm at. Next. Next question from Nicholas Paris. How do you summon your evil on stage? And do you have a routine to help maintain the ability to punish your vocals without overload? <laughs> well, first of all, I don't consider myself evil, um, especially on stage. It's more of being focused and staying on time. That's what I'm thinking about when I'm on stage. And I don't really do guttural vocals anymore. I did for a long time. I did. We did certain songs that were like that. I would do the low end. Our old guitar player, Justin, would do the screams. But now that I have uh, Victor Hansen and Dan Mills, they do those vocals. They do the extremes. Like Victor does the highs and Dan does the gutturals. I just do my standard punk rock yelling, kind of in the vein of some early uh, neurosis type when they were like punk rock. That's where I mimic my voice from and a little bit of like the singer uh, Jerry from Tankard. So those are the kind of the two influences I draw from from my voice. And on tour, it can get a little gnarly. My voice has suffered. Uh, my vocal cords have been strained to the point of where I, my voice went out many times on tour. I have a ritual where I drink a lot of tea, but I can't drink too much. I have to stay hydrated, shower as much as I can, and I can get through a five-week, four-week U.S. tour. I remember the last show we did was in Oakland California, at the Metro, but it was on. it was in 2000. 15 the last time i was on tour with uh havoc we we did a, a two-week north uh, west tour with them after we just got done doing uh five weeks of our headlining after we did clicking sound of a hammer pullback and my voice was shot i could not get out one word it was really strange i remember that because the only thing i could do was sing the set i could sing the set in perfect key and it was audible, but when I would go to talk, I would literally talk like this. I was talking like that, just 
it was gone. It was so weird that I could still sing, but I could not speak. That was the strangest thing that ever happened to me. But I was like, seven weeks is gnarly. So that wraps up this episode. We really appreciate all you guys listening all the way to the end. And uh, be cool. Be safe. This is the Jeff Salgado Show, which you can find on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and hopefully some other places. Yep. So thank you very much. Be safe. Peace.